Slime enough for dignified sufficiency in life, to live a dignified life with the rest of our community without overdoing it, without feeling we have to show off with all the stuff we've got. And that is a question not of outward economics or politics, but of inner psychology, and I would say also spirituality. That's a question of getting our fulfillment from the inner life from seeking true satisfiers in life instead of things that can't give no satisfaction. Welcome to a special episode of Climates. This conversation is not just for Christmas, but I think it's worth special consideration around special holiday rituals, family and social occasions where we have traditions. I'm sharing with you part of 100 conversations I recorded this year when I asked people to talk with me about climate breakdown and what we can do, what we are doing and what we want to do about it. I was really interested in Roshni's take on disconnection. We live in a very technological, instant, on-demand world, but that where what we want has to be fulfilled immediately or else we're not getting value for money. Um, And it's you know, we are customers and what we want, we get. But that is so counter to how actually (laughs) the planet we live on is. Um, So I think it's very doom and gloom, actually, my perspective at the moment, I guess. Um, But I think there's a danger in the timescales in which people expect life to function in are very different to the reality of it. So we want instant results and we want um, more and more stuff. Um, immediately um, so we consume and we buy and we, we want more and we throw away and we don't think of the consequences and because everything's so massive we don't see the big picture so we just you know we don't see the impact of us wanting this and it just feeds it because we're just consuming non-stop and we're also dissatisfied I'm saying we but I think human, human beings in certain um, certain societies are more and more dissatisfied and more and more miserable and they you know just it's almost like this endless treadmill. Do you know what I mean? Of consuming to feel better in some way. Does that make sense? Yeah, like you're trying to fill an empty yes. Yeah. And it's almost about like fundamental. Your fundamental needs are not being met um, in some way. So you try and fill it with products and things and a lifestyle. You know, it's just this whole like Instagram life where you're creating or curating the perfect life, which doesn't exist and it's fake and it's an illusion. Um, do you see what I mean? Yeah. What's, what's the antidote to this? <laughs> the antidote? I don't know. Because it's almost... Well, all I can think of personally for me is to try not to be on online so much and try and... It's about reconnection and I think... And I'm not saying I do it enough, but I, I know that when I go out for a walk and just switch off and get into nature, suddenly, you know, you suddenly feel a slowdown. Um, and I think that's part of it. 
And I think climate change, you know, happens because we are so disconnected from the natural world, and we don't. So we we don't realize the impact. And even if we do, we don't care because if you don't feel connected to something, you're less likely to care about it. So, in a chestnut shell, it's all about connection. And that's where we discover the holiday conundrum. We've created these rituals across the world about connecting with one another, with our community, our family, sometimes with religion, beliefs, seasons, with our personal histories. It can be an opportunity for generosity, taking stock, expressing gratitude, breathing, eating, nourishing, However, we've created an obstacle course of social and consumer pressures with their associated anxieties. There's almost a competitive edge to the celebrations, excessive and unrealistic expectations. We're constantly being sold an ideal, which has been created by someone who wants to sell you something. Under these demands, it's easy to lose the joy. And this leads to us consuming in a way that the planet cannot sustain. Buying too much crap feels like the easiest option to deal with all this. Much harder is to hold the mantra of what you want special occasions to be about. Okay, so in my head are thoughts like, you don't want your children to miss out. You want them to have the most beautiful and magical experience that you can give them, don't you? You don't want to be the greedy, mean, selfish Scrooge, do you? You don't want your loved ones to feel disappointed, do you? And to hold the energy of, we love each other, we have enough, we'll keep things simple and it will be special, takes quite a lot of strength for me. It's a similar thing with fashion, with cosmetics and with gift giving. Imagine the freedom to actually believe what I have is good enough rather than always wanting more. That is something I'm working on. It'll take practice. This special episode is connecting some of the threads of conversation that explore these ideas. Consuming less means changing direction and flying away from the flock. What's that like? How does that actually happen? I don't know, I'm quite interested in it as part of this problem is that we have to have a flocking Mm. motion it has to be that one or two birds are turning and the whole course of the flock really really shifts Mm -hmm. and it does seem to me that social media has to be a part of that yeah and it isn't the whole part of it and it's a bit like what we saw we saw with me too where it perhaps sparked interest but it was just the tip of the conversation then we had then we had the conversation followed yeah. So it's almost just something to get people's interest in the conversation. Does need is an action that that I feel like has to happen for the turnaround to be made meaningful. Yeah. And I don't know if that I like I'm a part of that or not. Yeah, you need to get some influencers on board. Yeah. Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, apparently, he's, he's well on board. Oh, great. You're yeah. going to have a chat with him? <laughs> Maybe. That would be nice. Oh, God, I don't know what I'd do. I had a poster of him on my wall, like, when I was a teenager. 
Great, perfect. Romeo, he is Romeo. Oh no. <laughs> I said that I'm not a big fan of Facebook. I, I think it gives us the illusion of feeling connected, whilst in actual fact we're getting less connected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's basically there's only like ten percent of what I'm talking to you right now is conveyed to what I'm actually saying, the actual words. The rest of it's in my body language and my eye movements and my hand gestures, etc., etc. Yeah, you know I mean, it's a very limiting um, forum. You know, in my lifetime, we've gone from having no mobile phones to having, app, you know, iPads and um, Amazon Echoes in the house, and you know, the connectivity but the access to technology, the access to information, I think it's wonderful. I think that it's great. I don't think we'd be having the environmental movement we've got if we didn't have that level of connectivity and technology. We wouldn't have the, the blogs talking about it on the internet, getting people to be more aware of it. So let's use that awareness to do what we do, but do it better. I think that that's, for me, that's the shift I'd like to see. Aaron had an interesting idea. All it is, is, uh, you know, using using Facebook or using Instagram or, or Twitter to post a video. So, like, our conversation right now, if there was some way to share that with folks, and hopefully, this is where I'm still kind of lost and I, and I need guidance, to do, like, an ice bucket challenge format where you post yourself uh, describing... Uh, an issue associated with climate change, how you think that you can combat that issue, and then challenge someone else in your circle to do the same thing. Then share that publicly, get some dialogue going, have comments on your video, and then respond to them, and get people simply engaged through discussion and dialogue, uh, which I think is a very, very good tool to promote physical behavior change because if you think about it then you're probably much more willing to actually do something about it but that's that's still where i am i haven't yet figured out how to tap into that uh possibility just we have to have much more dialogue much more discussion all the time the media is posting statistics and all these stories and mostly it's some sort of negative you you know anti-utopian view of the future for the next generation that just that's discouraging yeah but if you have discussion and dialogue that comes from yourself and you admit that you have a problem right like like alcoholics anonymous first step i have a problem next step uh the problem is this third step you know whatever i don't know exactly yeah yeah yeah. but the first thing is that you say for yourself you know it's me that is doing something here and if you admit that publicly, all of a sudden you're invested, you know? You want to actually do something about it. Uh, and I think that's that's what we need right now with social media, which is like the most incredible tool that's maybe arguably been created in the last decade or, or whatever. It's such a tool to promote uh, engagement. Um, and what better time than now to challenge climate change by everyday conversation and then having folks pushing to the next level of let's stop using single use, let's uh, 
only use reusable. Let's get rid of the fossil fuel. You know, if people talk about it, I feel like that's going to lead to much more physical activity. And I think as well, though, that like the internet's not the baddie we've got to. It's actually maybe one of the tools that we can really use to connect with each other. There's a quote, and I can't remember who it's by. Maybe we spoke about it last time. There's that's like uh, technology is neither good nor evil, but it's not neutral as soon as we start using it. Mm -hmm. So I had a good conversation about a thing that I'm like, hmm, that's maybe what my next week's challenge should be. Okay. Is the, like a bit of research into the environmental impact of uh, streaming music or of consuming music, uh -huh. and sort of what that is, because I think probably streaming and downloading is probably very good, because probably there's big like industrial coolers that have to keep all of the hard drives cool, where you store all of the all of the information everywhere. So I don't know what the ethical, environmental way of consuming music is, other than just like playing it yourself. Yeah, I sort of don't really want to think about it because I think it's probably going to mean I have to like, I mean, I think there's ethical problems with all of this sort of stuff. I know that like Spotify isn't very good, it doesn't pay artists very well and so convenient, you know? So now, like, you know, it's like when you look directly at something, you then have to like... It's quite interesting though, these things that you're like, oh, I just don't want to look at it because it might mean that I have to change my life in a way that I'm not comfortable with. But then don't you think the internet kind of allows you to find a, an argument to back up whatever you kind of need it to say? <laughs> like I could probably find someone who has an argument being like, using Spotify and consuming this music this way, the way exactly you do it is ethical and environmentally fine. Because I feel like it, you kind of can find arguments for it. like because it's never as simple as like it's good or bad there's like layers to it isn't it like you pull a thread and it's connected to five other things so yeah it might mean that this is okay but actually this is still and it's like the lesser of two evils or yeah I don't know I know well that but that's that's the whole tricky business that you get into isn't it pulling apart those layers and realising what's truth and what you're just listening to because you like that article. Yeah, like, and what, are what is a reliable source? <laughs> mm -hmm. I have to confess, I was completely out of touch with how much energy is used in streaming things. I think I still believed a little bit that the internet was magic. Yeah, right, I, I know. And it just came, you know, out of thin air. And actually, these I wasn't aware of all these big warehouses with these cooling things and the cost of e-waste and all the equipment. I've been trying to get my head around it. And I asked a few different people, including my husband, who is a physicist, and um, you know people who work in like IT and professional jobs. And I did get some explanations, but the best one was when I just asked this 14-year-old and he was like, right, so the way it works. And I also listened to a podcast about um, kind of the physical side of the internet. <laughs> and it's like, if we are plugged in, we need to understand the wires and how the wires work. And it was quite interesting. It was about, you know, connecting these huge big cables that are the sort of transatlantic cables. And the fact that they, uh, you know, you could, if you knew if you had the right information, turn up on a beach one day and just see a guy like 
blop, blop, out the water, attach the cable, and then it's like on a, in a manhole that's then covered over in sand. And it's like, that's the eight cable that attaches this entire country to that entire country. So it's, it's, that's been really interesting and try to understand a bit more about how I feel about being connected to these big data centers and the power that's used to refrigerate them. And, and actually, there's been a bit of chat in things that I've seen recently about these refrigeration chemicals and going, but my fridge is just a little fridge. And then knowing, all oh, right, no, hang on, you're talking about massive air conditioning, massive like amounts of cooling that's happening in countries. Well, that's nothing to do with me. Actually, no, it is because that's where <laughs> they're keeping all those data centers. So, the environmental impact of the internet. There is a conversation starter for a seasonal gathering near you. And how are my eco-conscious pals negotiating thoughtful gift giving? I'm trying to do my Christmas shopping. For the past few years I've been trying to do Christmas shopping mainly through charity shops, um, which is a really interesting exercise because I'm doing it um, partly because I don't think new things should be created just to feed this mad gift-giving culture that we've um, grown up with now. Um, and I think that it's good if you're going to spend your money to spend your money on things that make a difference rather than feeding big corporations. Um, but also I feel like I spend hours, <laughs> hours trawling around charity shops for the months leading up to Christmas. So when I find something, it's a total labour of love. Not anyone ever necessarily knows it. So then I think there's a bit of a stigma about giving people things that's from charity shops. And so I'm also in the charity shops hunting for things that don't look like they've come from charity shops absurdly. So there's this silly thing where I think there's a pack of people and hopefully a pack that's getting larger who are trying really hard but still it's seen as a little bit hippie and a little bit shameful and a little bit worthy but somehow not very smart, like a bit pitiable rather than admirable to be putting in all this effort and labour to try and get Christmas presents. I have a thing where I like giving more personal gifts when I was a child. I didn't have any money, so every gift I gave somebody would be like handmade or something. It'd be a, like a little thing I made with paper or card or something, and it was always something I gave. My dad would always go, um, "It's so much nicer when you make something for somebody because you put in the effort and sort of thing." And so I quite, I'm trying to do that more. I just gave, uh, I just gave Katie a, as a birthday present one of my t-shirts. <laughs> Which I was like, I can't decide if this is, in my intention was like, at one point I'd left that, or she'd like stayed here and so I'd lent her a t-shirt and so I'd left it at her house and then I'd seen a picture of her wearing it somewhere. So I obviously, I knew that she'd like, and we'd chatted about the fact that she'd worn it and like, she was like, oh yeah, I'm sad to give it back to you. And like, so, I, and like she had given it back and I've worn it since. And then I kind of, the other day I was just like thinking about a present for her birthday I was like, I'm going to give her that t-shirt and be like, it's like our t-shirt, like t-shirt that you can wear now. I've worn it a lot, but I was, I was totally like, is this going to read as me just being like, I'm just giving you my t-shirt. Like, but I, like, I, I also knew like that in that, in terms of she would understand that was what the intention was like, this is a thing that I know that you like and I have and we've shared it and like and also I guess like she's also thinking about the things in terms of like you know the planet and climate and so also can appreciate something that is being reused or like yeah 
But I, yeah, there was definitely a part of me that was like, is this a, just a terrible present? Just giving someone a t-shirt that you've worn loads. <laughs> At the moment, I would rather receive something that I knew was from a charity shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, my, for my 30th, one of my friends gave me this amazing drawing that her granny had done. And it's like this baby, like, like it's really, it's amazing. It's like a baby holding its feet with a speech bubble. And it says, isn't life great? And like, I just, it used to be up in her kitchen in her old flat. And I just love it. I love it so much. Like, I, never, I used to always just be like, oh, I love this. Everything about this is so great. And then so far in my 30s. Amy like wrapped it up she was really worried that I would I would be like what are you doing giving me this as a present I was like this is the most beautiful sentimental like incredibly like wonderful present you could give it's a thing that I absolutely love and that I know means loads to you as well because yeah. I know that your granny drew it like and I know that it's been up in your house and I felt really like honored to have it rather than yeah rather than like anything else I felt honored lucky and now it's on my bedroom wall and I look at it every day and I'm like oh, that's right baby isn't life great <laughs> <laughs> that's a good story so what are we wearing to the party this year lots of my climates are worried about the enormous environmental impact of the textile industry could fast fashion make a speedy exit from our lives I lived in London for five years so there was this kind of uh, consumerism that I got totally wrapped up into and all my money went on all the toiletries and then like a new outfit for work and I liked like styling myself that way so it was only when I moved to Edinburgh and I, I realized well I can use all my fancy London teacher clothes because now I'm teaching in a different school <laughs> so they've not seen it um but it is still that oh no I've worn the, those things too many times. And you know, you had social media and Facebook and you couldn't wear the same dress on a night out because you're being packed in it or whatever. But I've gotten over that now. But I still have a fairly chunky wardrobe. So I don't really need to buy more clothes. But I still have that automatic when I want to. I'll go online. You know, I still, I can't help myself. It's like, I, I, it's the one thing I need to like now break of, um, and try and there is more sustainable fashions out there which I'm really happy about but yeah it's something I need to get over and get doing I mean it's impossible it's almost impossible to live entirely out of outside of a capitalist consumer culture and there are times when I go you know what I'm I'm 29 I, I should be I should be able to go out and have a drink or buy something buy some clothes I don't know I don't really, I don't really buy stuff, but, yeah. but just, it's you really... You um, something, yeah. Yeah. One of the ways that I think we, uh, we contribute is by, you know, for example, we don't buy that many clothes. Um, we Sometimes we go to charity shops, you know, we don't buy a lot of um, cheap clothes. Uh, when I talk to some people, we say, you know, tell me how many clothes they're, they're buying on a monthly basis, you know, cheap clothes, and then throwing them away. Yeah, that's something that, that we don't do. We... Um, yeah, we don't we don't we don't buy a lot of um, gump. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's just one a word I use. Yeah, uh, I don't want to swear. I've um, started to worry that buying any clothes at all is bad. 
which is obviously unfortunate because it is generally considered more socially acceptable to be dressed when you're going about. <laughs> um, it's also quite quite a good way of heating. Yes, <laughs> it's putting the heating on in the house. It's practical in mm-hmm. this cold climate. Um, I once at the Science Museum in London, um, they used to have an exhibit that was about making your own T-shirt, and it was about it's really amazing of all the waste that goes into producing just that one item of clothing, all the water and dyes and everything. Unfortunately, it hasn't stopped me buying clothes, but I do try and wear them as long as I can and wear them out stuff. It's and really it buy second hand and so on. But a lot of the time that's just because you get better quality for the same money apart from anything else. Have you ever tried a clothes swap? I did years and years ago when I lived in Japan, uh, there was a whole bunch of foreign nationals like me, like expats. We couldn't buy clothes in Japan because I'm quite tall. And I lived there for two years. I think it was a year and a half in. And I was like, oh, my God, I need some new clothes. But didn't want to, couldn't buy. Actually, physically couldn't buy new clothes because I couldn't fit into the clothes. And that was really, that was quite fun because we turned it into a party. And I think I would be interested in doing that here. Um, but I don't think I, I'm part of a community yet that does that. I need to kind of spread my my social network and, and find where I can do that. It is a mark of how untransparent the whole industry is, how if you want to think really carefully about it, you sort of have to, I don't know, choose the sheep that you get the wool from and make sure the sheep's been well looked after and make sure um, you've walked to get the jumper from the person that's knitted the wool from the sheep so you're not incurring any carbon by doing that. I suppose it's about what um, what you consider to be acceptable compromises, isn't it, on the grounds that if you were to entirely dress ethically and sustainably, maybe you just have to be in wool all the time, which could be quite uncomfy. Yeah. Or, but I don't know, I, I don't know about wool. Or what about natural fibres? Cause... Cotton. But then the exploitation of the people picking the cotton is maybe something you need to think about. Maybe we should all look a little bit scruffier. It's one part of it. And I guess if things are made better, like this I got from a charity shop in um, Berlin, which sounds very glamorous. It was an amazing charity shop and I just watched um, The Killing and was obsessed with these jumpers. Um, and I went to this charity shop and it was huge and it had loads of these and I guess this could be as old as the hills you know but it's properly made and has obviously been like washed carefully by people and I suppose the thing is if you start well then things last a bit longer. I find there are some people who just sort of want to go shopping every other week and it's just yeah I'm not really too into that. I don't really need the clothes like because there's the whole thing about style and fashion and what's coming in, but I've never really been too bothered about that. Like, you'll see the adverts where it's going, oh, um, polka dots are in or something like that, and you're just a bit like, that's so stupid. Why would you, like, because I just wear what I think looks good on me or what I need. It's just sort of, I don't get the whole thing with, oh, this is in style, this is fashion. I'm like, no, it's what suits you. And just sort of, I don't like how it always pushing people to sort of change what they wear. I've got so many pants that are full of holes. 
pants and socks. And socks. And you think, yeah. what on earth do you do with um, socks when the heel is totally gone? Well, obviously I should darn them. Obviously, if I'd been brought up in the 1950s, I would be darning all of the heels in my socks and they would live forever. But somehow I don't feel I want to spend... I don't even know how to darn. That's a critical problem. Um, and I feel like I don't want to spend my time darning. So giving these sort of raggy things to cancer research that they can sell for money eases my conscience. And it will presumably be recycled. Yes, I think it gets recycled and then cancer research get the money for what they've sold in weight. Yeah, I think bananas do the same. It's good. Do you want to see the dress that I made? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, wow, that's cool. I made it myself. What? That's beautiful. It says here, made this myself. I made this myself. I wore it yesterday when I went out for dinner. So I, me and I booked my sister and I into a sewing class, a beginner's sewing class to learn how to sew. And as part of it, you got to like make your own project. And so I made a dress. Beautiful. Yeah. And like, it's like another step along, like, now I can fix things and I can make my own clothes. Yeah. If it's specifically just one shape of dress. <laughs> I've worked with a couple of people um, who will only buy clothes in charity shops because they like vintage fashion. Mm. And it's a good place to get vintage fashion. So one of them dresses um, constantly in sort of 50s, 60s stuff, for example. Beautiful, um, really unusual, beautifully made, lasts. These things have been kicking around for oh, like 70 years, mm. but still somehow look lovely um, when they come to work. And it's interesting that if you have a specific sort of style statements that you're trying to make that you can always get away with going charity shop shopping whereas if I was to go to work every day looking like a granny not that there's anything wrong with how grannies look people would think oh my goodness what on earth is going on with her wardrobe so it's interesting isn't it that there are ways of um styling your life around charity shop things that are socially acceptable yeah and other ways that are less socially acceptable I don't know about you but I'm a bit reluctant to ask this next one what about phones? I was a bit sad. I have a super ethical phone, as ethical as new phones can be, and uh, it turns out it breaks all the time. <laughs> and, oh, and so I got my mum's old phone, and I'm like, oh, actually, sometimes new things are really convenient in terms of technology. Um, what was your ethical what phone? Was your ethical? It's called the Fair Phone. Uh, Fairphone here, and uh, it is a great idea. Like all, it's a lot of it's recycled, and anything new that has come has been very ethically sourced, um, uh, which is great. And you can uh, you get it through the co-op, so it's super right on. But it has broken quite a lot, and actually isn't. And the idea is that you're meant to keep it for a long time, and you can fix it and you can replace it yourself. But the it's really hard to get the parts and I don't know how to fix phones and whenever you take it to a phone shop they're like what is this this is like an etch sketch uh so now I've just got my mum's old Samsung which is still not a new phone haven't got a new phone but um so I got it thinking I actually I don't want a new phone every two years I want a phone that works that I can keep for 10 years and add extra memory to and if a better camera comes along I can just fix the camera and fixing everything else because I hate changing phones you have to you know download all your contacts and ah oh, life's too short I want to be eating jumped out and watching Netflix um that was a really specific combination it's clearly what I'm thinking about right now 
even with Apple, it's sort of like, what else can they put in their phone? You know, the cameras are brilliant. The videos are brilliant. The batteries last a long time. You know, the, the sound, the sound is good. You know, how could they really be improved? Uh, and I think they might be coming to the sort of limit of their design cycle where probably like cars, you know, most cars are, I mean, electric windows used to be a luxury. Now every car's got electric windows practically. Um, you know, the, the luxurious things of, say, a posh Audi or Mercedes, what is it? I mean, it's a better music system, but you've got a perfectly good music system. It's flashier and faster, but I mean, most cars, can, my car can go fast enough. So uh, hopefully with phones, they'll cease to be a status symbol. Even it's infuriating, like MacBooks, they do it on purpose, like Apple, they change like the outputs on their laptops so that you can't, you know, A, your computers don't last as long, and B, if you upgrade, then you're having to not just upgrade your laptop, but it's everything you've plugged into it because the connections are different or the software is different, and they do it on purpose because otherwise you'd, you'd buy an all-singing, all-dancing MacBook. It would last for ages, and then when you upgrade it, you just have to do that and nothing else. So it's built in to make things obsolete because it's good for the economy, and it's really sad because that implies that there is an unlimited um, resource bank to make these things and unlimited technologies to dispose of them responsibly or recycle them. And there's not. The only thing that's driving it is more money, more turnover, bigger business, more um, dividends for your um, investors. Yeah. So it's, it's really sad. And what a waste of energy. Yeah. Human energy as well as yeah. environment energy. Yeah. We could all be sitting back and, like, drinking mojitos. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to slightly more comfortable territory, decluttering. Being more organised uh, actually can have a positive effect on the environment. So I really love a decluttering program on Netflix. I find it very soothing. I love watching programmes where someone has like, it's been a hoarder and then a team comes in and they go, ah, this is, get some Tupperware. And then they do and then their life is, I love calming thing to watch um but i don't really do it in my house i just like watching it and so i have been trying to clear my house so i don't buy repeats of things i minimize the possessions that i need i give as much as i can to charity or people who need it more than me and actually it's um it's nice because my house is getting a bit more organized but it's also nice because it does make you aware that actually you don't need that much stuff and I would not say I am a minimalist because I, you know, still like got a huge amount of crap that I love. But it is making me realize that actually being more organized and in control of my own little piece of the world, it makes me feel a little bit more confident in being able to make bigger changes. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, someone told me the name for it now, because you know, it was uh, Marie Kondo Method. And that's out. And now people uh, do Swedish death cleaning. And so Swedish death cleaning is when you imagine that you died and your children or your loved ones have to clear your house. And what are they just going to have to just chuck away when you're dead? And can you make easier for them? I'm sure you've read this as well, but I recently read um, Zero Waste from Via Johnson. Uh-huh. I haven't read and, it. 
Julia, I read the book and I enjoyed it, but I confess I haven't made my own toothpaste yet, or burned almonds to make mascara. But I do feel like we think we need more toiletries than we actually do. Um, yeah, especially, like, you know, the beauty industry is being pretty good in uh, reducing their packaging and, like, being more sustainable, probably as well, because they've seen that, you know, it's, it's kind of a trend nowadays and there is a fair bit of money there. And uh, so I'm glad that we don't have to go to the extent of trying vinegar to wash our hair, but we can go for a solid shampoo. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's just a case of not needing as much as you used to. Like, I've, I've stopped using deodorant and nobody seems to have noticed. <laughs> Deodorant wine, I still haven't found 
an eco-friendly one that I'm happy with because, to be honest, I sweat a lot. Um, as a teacher, like you stand in front of a class of 20 kids and you're, you're on stage, you know, you're performing and I've always said it, so I've always been clever with my clothes that they don't show up sweat stains. And it's never a smelly sweat, but I still have that automatic, oh, what's on deodorant? You know, it's an automatic thing that I do. And the one or two eco-friendly deodorants I've found just didn't didn't make me feel like I had anything on. So I felt that they weren't working. Yeah. I think it's sweat is interesting because sweat is actually healthy. Like the fitter you are, the more you sweat. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There have been definitely days where I have showered and left the building, got to school and I'm like, oh, forgot to wear deodorant. Man, I don't think on those days, I, I doubt anyone would walk up to me and be like, here, you're smelling. You know, because yeah. I think we are so preoccupied with our own smells that we don't realise other people don't really pay attention, you know. So, yeah, well, well watch this space. I have one <laughs> bit of deodorant over there and I might just go, you know what, I won't replace it because that's kind of what I've been doing with a lot of, like, the toiletries that I used to depend on. Once they're finished, I've not replaced them. Like, I used to, after I washed my hair, I then put on oil on it and then I'd blow dry it. And then after I blow dry it, I'd put like frizzy serum on it because like there might be a few hairs out of place and then I'd put hairspray on it. And it's like, I'm slowly but surely like reducing all those products because I don't need them. There's so much more to all of these conversations. I hope this podcast is an invitation for you to have your own. I'm going to leave you today with a wee gift, a film recommendation from Geraldine. I watched it and I loved it too. Women at War. Okay. And it is... I mean, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And it's a fictional story set in Iceland about a woman, a 50-year-old woman who is a climate activist. And it's kind of just a story of her life or her... Or this like short period in her life where she's taking action against the the things that she sees as problems in the world, uh, but in it just it deals with so many different themes, and it, I feel like it so cleverly holds the fact that you can't really start looking at one thing without it being connected to another thing, and you know like an action that you take has consequences. Like and some of those are good and some of those are bad and some of that feels well intentioned but it also is problematic and how is it going to be perceived on a wider scale and but it's also really funny and really sweet and really like elegant and really like silly. I just was like, this is maybe one of the best films I've seen ever. Thank you to all the climates featured in this special episode. Catherine, Alistair, Naroshni, Derek, Ben, Nicola, Claire, Debbie, Maddie, Geraldine, Shan, Hugh, Julia, Aaron and I'm Hazel. There are 10 other episodes to check out. If you haven't heard them yet, best to listen from the beginning with episode 1, Save the Humans. And if you'd like to know what I want for Christmas, other than an end to the unfulfilling stress fueled consumerism and probably the banning of single-use and mostly non-recyclable wrapping paper and plastic tape, Well, what I would really like is if you could recommend this podcast to your friend, share it on social media, 
or if you really like me, leave a review. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. That was good. <laughs> <laughs>